<sighs> well. Ugh. Forgive me. I know this intro to this opening segment isn't going to be as energetic as it usually is. I'm still on my second cup of coffee. As I sit here on Sunday morning, Texans Jaguars is on the screen right now. And there's a lot of news coming out off of Thursday's Crown Jewel event that a lot of people are concerned about. Especially with the news of, of course, the situation with the plane situation that was given to us on Friday. With the so-called mechanical issues with the plane that didn't allow WWE talent and production crew to come home on time to get to SmackDown on time. Now, that was a blessing in disguise because we were given the best SmackDown of 2019. Given the fact that Triple H was booking the show, that Vince approved. And 2.5 million people tuned in on Friday to see what all the hullabaloo was going to be about. Given the fact that what I told you guys on Friday, when I did my love-hate for NXT. Now, like I said, the news coming out of that at that point was... There was mechanical issues on the plane that WWE had from the Atlas Air flight. And that a majority of the talent, besides Vince McMahon, Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart, and Ric Flair, got out of the country on time. And the so-called top 20 superstars that did get out on time. They still didn't make SmackDown. And NXT talent had to get there in a rush. From what I had read and heard, they had literally gotten there five minutes before SmackDown had even started live on Friday. And like I said, we what we got was the best episode of SmackDown of 2019 with the NXT talent coming in and putting on a fantastic show that felt like an NXT show on a main roster show. Now, there's a report coming out that I had posted on Instagram yesterday 
And this is a bit of a fucking issue because we're not exactly sure what to believe in this case. Now, what I had posted is what I'm going to talk about in this opening segment. And the report coming out from WrestlingNews.co was that the crown prince of Saudi Arabia ordered WWE talent off the plinth after Vince McMahon cut off Crown Jewel TV feed in Saudi Arabia due to a money issue. Now, let me start off by saying that what I should have put in that post was that this was the big rumor coming out of Crown Jewel. But I want to get into this article from Paul Davis, and we'll discuss it further when we get there. So, former WWE Spanish language announcer Hugo Savinovich spilled some details on what allegedly happened in Saudi Arabia to cause the long flight delays that forced wrestlers to miss Friday Night SmackDown. Savinovich currently works for the, w, uh, the AAA promotion in Mexico, and he is well connected due to the friendship he's built during his 40 years in the wrestling business. He also says that he has connections in pe- to people in various countries, including Saudi Arabia. Zivinovich regularly does wrestling show recaps on his Facebook page. On Friday night, he recapped Friday Night SmackDown and spoke about the death of his wife, Diane, and my condolences to Hugo and his family for the loss of his wife. He also added some credibility to the speculation around the situation with the flight delays in Saudi Arabia that affected WWE talent. WWE's claim is that the flight was delayed due to mechanical issues, but the word going around among the wrestlers is that there was an issue unrelated to the plane that caused the delays. Savinovich noted that Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman were able to leave the country because Lesnar flies on a private plane. And that was actually part of Brock Lesnar's contract. For the terms of the agreement. Lesnar and Heyman left a couple hours after the show and before the travel issues with the rest of the roster had to actually surface. Zvinovich added that Mr. McMahon was not paid for two shows in Saudi Arabia. He says he doesn't know the exact figure that is owed, but he's owed millions of dollars, and it could be somewhere between 300 to 500 million that is owed to WWE. He added that McMahon retaliated by cutting off the Crown Jewel live feed in Saudi Arabia. Savinovich went on to say that the Crown Prince was so upset by the fee being cut off that he ordered to have the wrestlers be taken off Atlas Air just before the plane was about to take off. Savinovich was very clear when he said that this is not a hearsay rumor, and he had heard this directly from someone who has direct knowledge of the situation. Savinovich pointed out that if mechanical issues were the, re- reason, were the real reason for the plane being delayed, then McMahon could have easily paid to get his wrestlers on another flight so they can get to SmackDown in Buffalo. However, as already stated above, Savinovich says the issues had everything to do with money and the crown jewel feed being cut off in the order from the crown prince in retaliation. Several mainstream outlets, including CNN, reported on Thursday about the stock's stock, WWE stock plunging due to concerns from stockholders about the company not being able to secure a new TV deal in the Middle East. It's not clear if this is related to the money issues with Saudi Arabia, but this is a story worth following. We'll post updates on the story when we hear more. Now, if you do speak Spanish, you can hear everything said in Savinovich's Facebook video below. And things do get emotional when he speaks about the death of his wife. There's a lot to take in on that. Now, with Hugo Savinovich, like I said, well, I didn't say this, but like I said in the article, 
he is very good friends with a lot of people in the in the business. 40 plus years, you get to know a lot of people and you get to be good friends and have good relationships with those in the business. So he does have a lot of connections and, you know, for any person that's in any business whatsoever, 40 plus years of time, you do tend to have a lot of, you know, connections and you build up good relationships and you keep those relationships going and all that good shit. Now, whether or not this is the case remains to be seen. We may never know the exact actual reason to this because, well, it just bees with the bees with that. But for Vince McMahon, the, the one thing that I found I, I kind of took to heart in, in the beginning when I first read this and I first before I even posted it my first thought was why would he leave immediately after the show he left he got back to the states in a timely manner Hulk Hogan Ric Flair Jimmy Hart Brock Lesnar Paul Heyman left in a timely manner Brock Lesnar was the first literally match of the night against King Velasquez. He wanted to be first match on. He wanted to get in and get out as soon as he could because, well, he's Brock Lesnar and he doesn't give a fuck about you, me, or or, uh, anyone else. Some would say he's a dick for leaving very early. Some would say he's actually the smartest man in the room for the fact that he got out of Dodge and that Per the terms of his contract, he got to have a private plane of his own, and he got out in a timely manner, which meant he got to be there in time for SmackDown. And as we saw on SmackDown, he basically quit SmackDown and decided to go back to Raw to go after Rey Mysterio for his actions after the match with King Velasquez. Now, we all saw what had happened with King Velasquez on crown jewel because they actually showed the entire match in full which literally was two minutes and what a lot of people are thinking are pretty is pretty much the match of the night i lied it was the worst match of the night now this is a legitimate report and I'm seeing, and I'm now seeing on WrestleCo, WrestleNews.co, uh, the one I had posted was from Wrestling News Source, F4W Online. I talked about it. Dave Meltzer had talked about it. Um, I think Brian Alvarez was on, the, was talking about it as well. This is a very bad situation for the WWE. Very, very bad situation for the WWE. And like I said in the beginning, it was a blessing in disguise because we were given probably the best. Smackdown of the year. What we were given was the best Smackdown in the last several years, according to the opinions of some people. It was literally the best show I'd seen all year, hands down. But the fact that 
he and the Saudi Commission, the Sports Commission. If this is the case, and knowing we have eight more years of this garbage, we have eight more years of seeing crown jewels and super showdowns and all this shit. This is going to piss a lot of people off. Myself included. And don't mind me, I'm just readjusting here. Just readjusting my situation, don't mind me. Because of uh, a good lady friend of mine had informed me that WWE superstars have actually lost respect for Vince McMahon due to the situation that happened in Saudi Arabia. And I'm going to see if I can pull that up right now. Here we go. From ringsidenews.com WWE superstars have lost respect for Vince McMahon after Saudi Arabia. From Felix Upton WWE superstars didn't leave Saudi Arabia as planned following Crown Jewel. The rumor is that this all has to do something to do with money. Vince McMahon cut off the Saudi Arabian feed, Saudi Arabian feed of Crown Jewel because the Saudis owe a, a WWE rumored 300 to 500 million dollars, and as a retaliation, the prince is believed to have pulled the superstars off of their plan and made to wait another day before leaving. Some superstars are very upset and feel as though Vince McMahon left them stranded. Dave Meltzer reports that superstars have lost a lot of respect for Vince McMahon over this situation. Quote, Look, say whatever you want about Vince, and right now, after this week, a lot of the talent lost a great deal of respect for him. But this was a Vince show, and it was good TV. From what I heard, it was absolute trash. The idea of pretending it wasn't is just baffling. End quote. This, this entire ordeal is mind-blowing. We're very glad everyone made it back to the United States safely, but it, may, it really makes you wonder who would go back to Saudi Arabia for a show. And there was a tweet here from a fan stating, quote, Ciampa would have lost if it was a Vince show. And quote, Dave Meltzer replied, quote, except it was a Vince show. Look, say whatever you want about Vince, and right now, after this week, a lot of the talent lost a great deal of respect for him, but this was a Vince show, and it was good TV. The idea of pretending it wasn't is just as baffling. This whole situation is baffling because look, a lot of people already was were already against Vince McMahon accepting a ten-year deal with the Saudi Sports Commission due to the fact of the Jamal Khashoggi situation. I in good faith had a strange feeling that crown jewel last year was going to be straight trash because well it had nothing really to do with any of the storylines they were doing at the time nor do i care to remember any of the situation any of the storylines situations that were going down with 
the WWE going into the first ever crown. Sure. If I remember correctly, that first show was had Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, and Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship, but I believe Roman at that time pulled out because he had um, the cancer, his leukemia had come back into his system, and he wasn't able to compete in a manner that would allow him to do so. I already had a problem with the situation. In the last few Crown Jewel events, in the last few Super Showdowns in Saudi Arabia have been just straight garbage. Have been literally terrible. They have done nothing to help storylines. They've done nothing to garner attention. All this has been is a little bit of a cash grab. People will say it's blood money. Evans McMahon is taking a lot of people saying that this is a bad deal for WWE because they didn't need to take this deal and as a result the quality of the shows have been retardedly garbage I have always stated I will never and I've watched the first and I watched the first crown jewel and I hated every bit of it and after that I would never, ever watch a Crown Jewel show again. A Crown Jewel, a Super Showdown, whatever they want to do in Saudi Arabia because it has nothing to do with anything. The show was terrible. A lot of people, in terms of this show, thought the reason it happened was because of the women being involved in the show and that fans didn't know it was going to be announced. I don't think, and I believe they said um, not many people knew about the announcement until fans were settled in before the show had even started, and then they announced the Natalia Lacey Evans match for Crown Jewel. A lot of people were saying that was the reason why the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia had ordered this. Don't mind me. That's my mother in the background laughing her ass off at some television. Whether, I mean, if the reason is that this money issue and that Vince McMahon not being paid was the real reason why, you know, all this happened. Excuse me then we, like I said, we have another eight years of this. We have until 2027. We have until the end of 2027 before this deal is up. This is a shitty situation all around. And that's being as real as it gets. Because for those for those of you uh, WWE apologists, goons, who defend this, who are willing to defend Vince McMahon week in and week out, year in and year out, 
you're all sheep. The fact that you are willing to defend these shows is... It's not even close to offensive. It's not even distasteful. It's disgraceful and disgusting. And now the fact that you have your own talent losing respect for you over this situation, regardless, is hilarious in and of itself. Trust me, I had my laughs way I had my laughs way before I started recording this. Whether or not this this whole news report is true, that remains to be seen. What worries me most about all of this is that Vince McMahon is still going to do shows in Saudi Arabia. You know that, and I know that. What worries me most is that we know Vince McMahon is going to continue to do these shows, but what worries me more is that, you know, of the talent that stated they will never do this show again. If the money is good, they may consider it, and people will consider them to be hypocrites. Buddy Murphy put out a tweet that said never again, considering he saying that he probably won't be doing this. Rusev stated, pray for us. You know. Just, if I'm a member of the WWE roster right now, and I was involved in this event, I would never do it again. I can understand why last year, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens didn't do it. Because Sami's, Sami, what, of course, went against his uh, religious beliefs. Not so much his religious beliefs, but his beliefs. Especially with the whole Khashoggi situation and all this. Kevin Owens did it because he defended his friend. And that's an honorable thing to do. If we're being honest. I commend him for that. The Miz didn't go. A good amount of talent. Well, mostly the women didn't go. Because, well, Saudi Arabia wouldn't allow women to perform from what I had heard it was the request I believe of Stephanie McMahon who's, who wanted the women's match again we will we may never know the real reason why if this is if this report is the real reason why then WWE is in a lot of fucking trouble considering the fact that their Q3 numbers took an absolute dive but before I get into the stock dropping I want to talk about Vince McMahon's backstage reaction to WWE NXT on Friday Night SmackDown. This is from Paul Davis from WrestlingNews.com. WWE took a bad situation and turned around to create one of their best show, TV shows of 2019 and maybe the best SmackDown in several years, which I can agree with. For those of you that missed it, there was a heavy NXT presence on the show and it was treated as an invasion of the blue brand. Bailey was attacked by Shayna Baszler. Tommaso Ciampa defeated The Miz. Carmella and Daniel Brooke were attacked by Bianca Belair. Fire and Desire were defeated by Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox, And there was a dream, ma- dream match to close up the show. Adam Cole defeated Daniel Bryan to retain the NXT Championship in a great match, and it damn little was. 
We'll see what the ratings look like tomorrow, but the fans in the building on social media seem to love the show, and, it, and we got $2.5 out of it. Another person who loved the show was Vince McMahon. Whenever he's up about him and talent can't make it on the show, McMahon's philosophy is to give fans something better than was originally planned so that fans still feel like they got their money's worth even with their favorite stars not being on the show. After SmackDown, McMahon was telling people about stage that they hit a home run and he seemed very happy with how things went down. The show was rewritten by McMahon just hours before they went on air. Obviously, Triple H had a lot of influence on the show as well. You can expect more NXT stars on Raw and SmackDown in the coming weeks as part of the hype for Survivor Series. The feeling is that showcasing NXT stars on Raw and SmackDown should get viewers familiar with them and should, in theory, help to boost the ratings for NXT show that airs on Wednesday nights on the USA Network. We'll see what happens Wednesday night. This time, NXT and AEW will not have competition for Major League Baseball. Now, that's all well and good. And, of course, we all know Vince McMahon is going to take the credit for the show. And he, so, okay, he, ooh, he rewrote it. Let's get one thing straight. Vince McMahon approved what Triple H was going to do on the show. I give no credit to Vince McMahon for any of what happened on Friday night. This was all Triple H. And for anyone who decides or even has the balls to defend Vince McMahon on, you know, him putting on a good show, this is their best show, don't get, you're an idiot. Vince McMahon deserves no credit whatsoever for what happened on Friday. This was all Triple H. Vince McMahon just approved what Triple H was going to do. Vince McMahon has no she deserves none of this. Vince McMahon doesn't deserve that 2.5 million viewership rating. This is not his to take. Not his to take credit for. And I will give him no credit whatsoever. Vince McMahon has bigger fish to fry right now. Case in point, another report from DressingNews.co. Vince McMahon lost millions due to WWE stock dropping by Andrew Ravens. Thursday was an interesting day for WWE as not only did they reveal their third quarter 2019 earnings, but it also held its crown jewel event, pay-per-view event, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, at the King Fahd International Stadium on the WWE Network. The stock tumbled 16% to $56.04 once the numbers were revealed for the quarter. WWE co-president Joe Barrios blamed a slash profit outlook on the call for unexpected delays to the Saudi Arabia television deal that has yet to be reached. Other negative impacts on the stock came from various places. Those places were include revenues of 100, were 186.3 million as compared to 188.4 million from the prior year quarter. Operating income decreased from six to 6.4 million from 18.1 million. And the most and then the most alarming stat. The WWE Network averaged 1.51 million paid subscribers during the quarter. WWE stated that they expected that number to fall 10% to 1.43 million in the fourth quarter. Darren Ravel sent out an interesting tweet about the stock that impacts WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. Quote, 296.5 million, what Vince McMahon lost on paper yesterday from WWE's huge stock drop. And from what I had heard, 
when it came to questions about Crown Jewel, Crown Fool, Crown Jewel, whatever you want to call it, they dodged those questions about Crown Jewel. How hilarious is that? As getting asked questions about Crown Jewel and not having the balls to actually answer those questions. Instead, dodging the questions like a politician would when it came to something that couldn't be refuted and went against what they were trying to say. WWE is in some fucking trouble. Especially with the last two months of the year, that being Survivor Series and TLC. It's bad enough that fans are already losing faith in the main roster product. Not NXT, but the main roster product. What I had stated on Friday night with my instant reaction to SmackDown, NXT is now the ace show. There's nothing Vince McMahon can do about it. NXT is the top brand in WWE right now. Raw can't say that because they just had their third lowest rating of all time and of 2019. SmackDown got lucky with this situation and they got their ratings back up 1.7 million in terms of fans. 186% to be exact. But again, I am not going to give Vince McMahon any credit whatsoever because he doesn't deserve any credit whatsoever. Vince McMahon's in trouble. You losing the respect of your talent. You can't even have you can't even get the money you got you were supposed to receive from the Saudi Arabian Commission. You had your talent stranded in Saudi Arabia while you were back in the United States, safe and sound. You lost $296.5 million in three months. Your product, your main roster product is shit. Everybody is shitting on Seth Rollins. Your storylines are garbage. Your tag team division is in disarray. Your women's division is... Well, I don't know what it is. Your mid-card is non-existent. And now we're heading into your... One of your big four events of the year. Your last big four event of 2019, Survivor Series. And with the announcement of NXT being involved in Survivor Series, we have more faith in NXT than we have in the main roster product. So what if you call it, you can call it a third brand, not developmental anymore, whatever. That's fine. Call it what you want. It's going to take a lot. Purpose for me to try and attempt to get into the good graces of fans, even though already for the past few years we have already poo pooed his shit, we have already shit on him, we have already pretty much have no faith in Vince McMahon, and we have been saying for years that Triple H needs to take over the keys to the kingdom. Friday night did not help his cause at all. Again, say what you want. 
Vince McMahon rewrote the show. No. Vince McMahon approved what Triple H was going to put on the table for us. And the main reason 2.5 million million people tuned in was because they were curious to see what WWE had up their sleeve. Now, I talked about this on Friday and I'm going to say it again. They had their main event was going to be Roman Reigns versus everyone's favorite TGI Friday's general manager, King Baron Corbin. We were, we were supposed to have a six-woman tag with Fire and Desire and Bailey versus Carmella, Dana Brooke, and Nikki Cross. The New Day was supposed to face the revival for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Instead, we thank the wrestling gods for not giving us that show because honestly, that 888K, probably they still would have gotten a million since it was going to be back on Fox. But it definitely would have not, that show, that show definitely wouldn't have gotten 2.5 million. That 888K is literally the worst viewed show in the show's history. Whether it be on UPN, USA, or Fox in their history. 20 years. And that was their lowest rated show. I don't give a damn if that show got moved over to Fox Sports 1 because of the World Series. It doesn't matter. That 888 is still there. They have to count that. I didn't watch because I was actually working overnight shifts, so I really didn't give a damn regardless. And I thank God that I didn't watch it. And now you gotta think. If we got that show from Friday this week, we're going to expect that from here on out well past Survivor Series. That's what we're going to expect going forward now. We're going to want to, we're going to expect this quality of show going forward. And now Vince McMahon has to get that done. Triple H gets to go back to NXT and produce the quality shows he's been doing for the past few years. Vince McMahon is in a lot of trouble. I'm surprised I'm suppressing my rage as much as I am right now. Because I could literally just turn up and go all out right now. And just spew my shit. But it's a calm anger. You lose respect of your talent. You're not even getting paid by the Saudi Commission. You cut their feed, they leave your talent stranded in Saudi Arabia for an entire 24 hours. Before y'all, before your talent can get home. And now you're going into Monday Night Raw in Long in Uniondale, Long Island, New York, for Monday Night Raw. With Brock Lesnar now moving over to Raw with the WWE Championship, Bray Wyatt now has the Universal Championship officially on SmackDown, and that has actually been official as as been told by Dave Meltzer, as reported on Bleacher Report. Excuse me. Vince McMahon is going to have a lot, lot of explaining to do. Vince McMahon 
is going to have to work his ass off to try to get back into the good graces of not only the fans, but of the talent themselves. And I've worked in enough jobs to know that if you don't have the respect of your employees, it's going to be a bad situation for you going forward. This is episode 125 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. Zach from the Wrestling Delicious Podcast here, and welcome to episode 125 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me today on this Sunday morning, as I'm recording this, watching the Texans-Jaguars game right now go down in London. London, I'm sorry. But I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed that opening segment with me talking about uh, the whole Saudi Arabia situation and, you know, my thoughts on it. Like I said, it's all opinion. You know, I'm here to just give you my opinion and you can form your own opinion about your situation with the Saudi Arabia deal. Whether or not uh, the report I had spoken about to open that segment is legitimate or not, it still makes you wonder what WWE is trying to fucking do. But enough about that. It's been a while since I talked about an NXT UK review. Excuse me. That's been about, what, three weeks, I believe, since I've done an NXT UK review? Or actual proper review in that manner. And, like I said, I'm, enjoy- I'm trying new things out, trying to see what sticks and what doesn't. I think more so now, with the fact that AEW and NXT are two hours, so we'll keep it... I'm probably going to keep it as love-hate for AEW and NXT... And just simply do true reviews for the NXT UK product, given the fact that it's only an hour. Um, and I think that's the that's, that's what I want to do going forward. So hopefully you'll rock with me on this journey as we go along with the last two months of the year. And I cannot believe the fact, the fact that it's already November, which is kind of crazy in itself. It's been a very, very quick year, fast year very trying year for WWE, but at least we can find solace in NXT, AEW, and NXT UK, and other promotions outside of the main roster, and with that being said, NXT UK, like I said, I had missed a couple of things, I've still kept up with it as much as I could, we do now know that Gallus, the team of Mark Coffey and Wolfgang, are now your current reigning and defending NXT UK Tag Team Champions, given the fact that now we... So making it look that, you know, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster were nothing more than transitional champions, which kind of bugs me out a little bit. Um, not in, like, the weirdest way possible. It's just like, oh, that was a very quick reign that they had, um, considering the fact that they had won their match at NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. And now we're going into that. 
uh, Imperium is now getting into the fold a little bit more. Ilya Dragunov and Alexander Wolf are now getting into this sorts of things, and we'll discuss that at the end of the review. But let's get into the actual review itself. This was a very, very good building episode to what they're to what they're going to be doing going forward. Like I said, I missed the last two weeks, so I'm trying to play catch up a little bit. So I'm just trying to figure out what's going on, and we're just going to go from there. So let's get into it. The show had started off with tag women's tag team action with Rhea Ripley and Piper Niven taking on Jazzy Gabbard and Jenny. These four have been in, intertwined in the storyline for the past little bit, I'd say month and a half or so. And this is probably one of the better um, feuds that have been going on in the UK women's division, which I've appreciated. I'm a fan of all four of these ladies. Ginny, uh, especially with her uh, now Ginny Havoc gimmick over in progress with Tony Storm. Jazzy Gabbard's starting to get a huge rub off coming, you know, being involved with Ginny. Rhea Ripley becoming one of the better women's talent in the company that involves NXT US and NXT UK. And Piper Niven getting a huge rub with the storyline that's going on with, with all these four ladies. So. Team sorted everything out, and Piper and Ginny started the matchup. They serve Ginny circles with Piper, and Jazzy immediately distracts the trash talk. Piper sees Ginny coming and runs her over immediately, then hits her chop. Hits her with a chop, bringing her down to the mat. Piper then scoop slams Ginny down to the mat, and Rhea is actually impressed with what Piper is doing in the early going. She then stands on Ginny as a cover with one foot, and surprisingly gets a two count out of that. Usually, my my New Japan. Um, kicked in a little bit and I usually I just didn't remember red shoes usually seeing those and actually just thinking no 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 I'm not covering that I'm not calling the cover on that one either way Piper tags in Rhea and fans start rallying behind her as Rhea starts throwing clotheslines on Ginny over and over and even gave her even gives Piper I don't know why she gave Piper a ripcord lariat I think she meant um Jazzy of Rick Bordary, but nonetheless, Ginny bails out of it and is furious in the early going. Rhea goes out the stalk up behind Ginny. Piper also drops down, and now she is Ginny is caught, caught in between a rock and a hard place. Rhea gets the low kick on Ginny. Scoops Ginny up to bring her up the stairs, carrying her up the stairs. That requires a good amount of strength there. Tossing Ginny inside the ring, almost bringing her up to the, her corner. But luckily, Rhea caught Ginny in time before she got the tag to Jazzy. So Rhea gets the, uh, goes for the Irish whip, right corner to corner, hard, goes back the other way, catching Ginny to a cravat on the knee, hits a basement drop kick. Rhea keeping Ginny away from Jazzy in the early going, grabbing on a headlock. Ginny then kicks at Piper, pulls her hair, and, get, and Jazzy gets a cheap shot in. Rhea shoves her back. Jazzy rocks Rhea, and then Ginny decks her with a kick. Ginny clubbing away on Rhea, tagging in Jazzy, while Piper was trying to get into the ring to help Rhea out due to the distraction by Jazzy, and the referee's back was turned. And they had been doing that over the past few matches they've had together in tag team action. So, Ginny and Jazzy start mugging Rhea. Ginny hits a cravats into a high kick, goes to the cover, only gets a one count. She then goes for another kick, misses Rhea, goes for the roll-up, gets a two-count of that, but Ginny swings around into an octopus hole, clawing at Rhea's arm. Fans start rallying behind Rhea as she walks towards Piper, but Ginny drops down to slap away on Rhea's face, decked her with a right hand, but Rhea kicked her right down to the mat. Both women are Dan fans rallying up for Rhea. They both crawl to their corners, get the hot tags to Jazzy and Piper. 
Piper starts rallying up and ramming the alpha female. Ginny's Jazzy stays up, though Piper goes for the flying crossbody. Ginny runs in, but gets scoop slammed by Jazzy in the process. Onto Jazzy in the process, I beg your pardon. Piper then hits the senton on both ladies and then throws Ginny out while Jazzy goes to a corner. She runs in into a spear from Jazzy. Goes for the cover and Rhea breaks that up. And Ginny returns to roundhouse kick Rhea right in the face. Piper headbutts Jazzy, catches Jazzy for a side of suplex. Rhea hobbles up, standing with Piper. Ginny and Jazzy on the outside. Rhea says, shrugs and says, fuck it. Rhea goes flying out to the outside with a suicide dive, wiping out both Ginny and Jazzy, falling pretty hard in the process. And that was a rough landing that she had. It let the back of her head almost hit the apron, but her back of the head actually hit the ground. So I'm super, so thankful that she actually was okay after that maneuver. Gets right back up and is going Ape shit. She then sends Jazzy in for Piper. Hauls Jazzy up for the Michinoku driver. One, two, three. And easily, Piper, Niven, and Rhea Ripley getting the victory over Ginny and Jazzy Gabber. So it looks like Rhea and Piper getting their comeuppance on both ladies once and for all. This is a nice little feud for all ladies involved. Um, I think it was the right call to give Rhea and Piper the victory. Considering the fact that Ginny and Jazzy, over the past few weeks, had been, you know, pains in the ass for a majority of the women's division. This was a nice little fun matchup to kick off the show, and the fans definitely seemed very into it. Um, before we got into the uh, next matchup, they did a little video package for one A-Kid. And the story and the story that the, uh, Nigel McGinnis had spoken about um, for A-Kid was that A-Kid didn't really have a name upon his debut match in his professional wrestling career. Um, I don't know the actual um, Spanish name behind it, but pretty much what it translated to was Anonymous Kid. So, and that's how A-Kid pretty much was stuck. So that's a little fun fact for you guys out there. Now, he made his NXT debut against the wrestling genius himself, Cassius Ono. And in the early going, early going, Ono did not take A-Kid seriously at all. A-Kid daring Ono to bring it. Fans are fired up for A-Kid, who is a well-known name in the uh, British wrestling scene. So they tie up. Ono holds him off with one arm. A-Kid spins through, gets up, and through circle again. Ono then spins through, wrenches on the arm, bringing A-Kid down. And during the pain, is A-Kid reaching up, but can't go get the head scissor on Ono. A-Kid keeps working at it, manages to get a ghost pin, and gets somehow gets a two-count out of that. Ono backing off the top again. A-Kid gets the headlock. Ono standing up to lift A-Kid, who holds on tight as he works the power out of it. But Ono rolls around, and A-Kid holds tight still. Ono pries him off with a head scissors. A-Kid gets the bridge. Ono cranking on him, then moves to turn around and turns Ono over. A-Kid getting the leg lock. Rolls for cattle mutilation, but Ono rolls off it just in time. Stands up as A-Kid gets thrown off. He then smothers A-Kid in the corner, whips him Irish whip corner to corner. A-Kid leaps up, leaps again. It's a very nice arm drag. Uh, leaps up, hits a drop kick. Ono staying up, though. A-Kid drop kicks a leg out, dropping him to the mat. Throwing a wristband is Ono to distract the referee, and he got away with a throat shot behind the referee's back. Ono then snapmares A-Kid, drops a knee right on his head. He then grabs A-Kid's arms, wrenches back, fans rallying up behind A-Kid who fights his way up. Ono wrenching on her on the hole, trying to keep him grounded. He then gets A-Kid in a Cobra clutch. A-Kid enduring all the pain, prying his way out. Ono gets the waist locked up, lifts the cradle, and there's a nice little yo-yo, and a senton right onto A-Kid. Goes to the cover, gets a two count out of that. Ono 
grabs A-Kid's hands for knuckle locks, goes for the cover, and gets a one count as A-Kid does get an arm up in the process, goes back, goes for another um, pin the fall maneuver, and gets a two count of that, Ono goes for it again, Ono keeps getting his shoulders up and powers out of the situation, A-Kid getting up, Ono goes to squash A-Kid, but A-Kid blocks it, pushes back on Ono, leaps up and hits a Hurricane Rana on Ono, getting him away for at least a time being. A-Kid starts throwing forearms on Ono, hits a drop kick. Ono gets up, dodges the second drop kick, but a senton gets caught into an armbar. But Ono had the wherewithal to get into a rope break. A-Kid letting up, dodges Ono's boot, goes for the roll-up, he gets a new count out of that. Ono then spins into an armbar takedown, and he started getting this in the late goings of the matchup. Ono sitting up, though. A-Kid holding on tight, trying to go for the triangle. Ono, though, makes it a cover two count only, as A-Kid does get his shoulder up. He then deadlifts A-Kid, puts him on the ropes, and hits a guillotine catapult, which was very, very devastating. A-Kid flopping out of the ring, gasping for air, but Ono catching his breath, has to catch his breath in the process. He goes out to get A-Kid bring, to bring him back into the ring, and brings him up, hits him with a slapping haymaker. At this point, the referee is, as a, is at a five count out of ten. A-Kid hits a chop, then decked, gets decked by Ono, throwing A-Kid at the ring and eight. A-Kid, though, hits a tiger fake kick on Ono away and gets in at nine. Referee then counts ten and A-Kid in his NXT UK debut, outsmarting the wrestling genius and gets his first ever victory in NXT UK but Ono of course is a loser as A-Kid is getting his hand raised he clobbers A-Kid from behind he then starts stopping A-Kid out screaming at him who do you think you are huh he then goes for the cravat hold on A-Kid in the cash's clutch but out comes Tyler Bate running out to make the save Bate goes for the Irish whip, but Ono reversed it. Ono bails up before Bate hits his lariat, re rebound lariat off the ropes. And fans were cheering for Tyler Bate as he saves A-Kid. And it looks like we might be getting a feud between Ono and Bate. And for that, I am not mad at that whatsoever. It's another little feud. Um, I love the fact that Ono is definitely getting some shine in NXT UK. Ever since he made the move from NXT US to NXT UK, he has done very, very well for himself uh, over in the UK uh, department of things within NXT. I enjoy Ono over in NXT UK, and now and he's had some really solid feuds so far. And this one with Tyler Bate might be his best one yet. I know that... Tyler Bate can go, and I know Cassius Ono can go, and I think these two will definitely have a solid mini-feud on NXT UK going forward. This is going to be an interesting one, though, um, especially with what happened with Devlin and Tyler Bate. Um, I'll definitely have to go back and check that out. Mm, excuse me. But it's certainly nice to see AK get a victory over the wrestling genius outsmarting him at his own game, and we'll see if AK has anything to do with this Tyler Bate Cash's Ono rivalry going forward, or whether this was just a one-off between the two. Backstage, we get interview footage with Killer Kelly, um, and she was actually asked backstage if she was asked about when she'll return to the ring, and Killer Kelly actually announced that she is medically cleared to wrestle again. She's waited four long months to hear those words. But apparently, she needs to pick a fight with someone first in order to get on NXT UK. In comes Isla Dawn as she goes into the women's locker room. And then she, she puts her mouth guard in, gets a couple slaps in the face, and starts 
hunting and it looks like killer kelly's first feud back in nxt uk is going to be against isla dawn we'll see what happens uh with that going f- as we move forward so we come back from break and big wavy Roy Johnson. I had um, not never heard of this guy before personally. Um, it's not to say that's a bad thing. It's just I never heard of the guy before. As he goes one on one with Joseph Connors. So we'll see. Let's see how this goes. The bell rings. Connors says, "I remember you," and sarcastically tells him, "Welcome back, fans. Love them apparently." Some big wavy as they cheer for him and they both tie up. Johnson holds back. Connors breaks off. They go again. Connors gets the waist lock. Johnson bucks him off. They start th- start to speed things up. Johnson running Connors over. Johnson then does a dance. Crowd getting into it. Connors runs in after Johnson. He dodges the forearm. Whips. Goes for the Irish whip. Connors reverses that into a nice little lariat. He then throws Johnson into the turnbuckle. Starts doing big body shots on Johnson. The referee has to count. Begin his five count. Backing Connors off at four. Connors comes back to stomp away on Johnson. Drags Johnson up, bumping him off the buckles again, and then brings him around towards the post. He then pulls Johnson against the post in a bow and arrow fashion, which is something I always truly enjoy. Letting up at four, hits a basement drop kick on Roy, telling him, Nice to see you, Roy. Connor shouting in as he goes for the drop kick again. The referee checks on Johnson as Connors hits a third drop kick. Counter shouting this is mine i guess pointing to johnson in the process as john johnson actually falls to the floor connor's putting johnson in the open clubbing away at his back he then rams johnson into the edge shoving him back to the ring and yelling at nigel what do you think am i good enough connor's wants to know his opinion and nigel says connor's is doing just fine he then whips goes through irish but johnson holds the ropes to hold him off and keep him at bay connor's clubs at Johnson, Irish whips him into, and, but Johnson reverses that into a forearm smash. Johnson then goes off the ropes into a back elbow. Johnson then hits a corner clothesline and a backbreaker. Uh, straps come down. Johnson lifting Connors up. Johnson goes for the scoop and a slam. But Connors raking his eyes into a basement bulldog into the turnbuckles. Gets the last chance to re-snap and then hits. Don't look down as he got the three count and the victory over Big Wavy. Roy Johnson. He then sarcastically pats Johnson on the shoulder as he gets talks to the imaginary person in the ring, in the buckle pad, which is uh, kind of shades of our truth back in the late, in the early 2010s when it was him and Lil Jimmy. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen with Joseph Connors going forward. He's definitely one of those guys floating in the mid-card right now. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, if they do anything with him at all. Out comes the NXT UK Women's Champion after Justin Connors barely is finishing getting get, uh, getting backstage, making her own entrance. She has a little something to say uh, in regards to a certain person. We'll get to that in a second. She grabs the mic and says, NXT UK Universe, your day is about to get so much better now that I'm here. Today is even better because there's no Tony Storm. Tony is just gone and disappeared because I have the one thing that she loves most, and that is the NXT UK Women's Championship. Tony doesn't have any friends in the back to be upset about it, so that's the last of Tony Storm in NXT UK. But speaking of the locker room, I think it's hilarious. My name is coming out of the blue-eyed, blue-haired little Zaya. Brookside. 
Bane starts training for Zaya Brookside, and that starts getting on KLR's nerves. She says, Zaya thinks I cost her the, the title shot because of that woman's battle royal, and that I cheated to win. In reality, I'm just smarter. I'm a realist. And while that little girl was crying, I did what she could never do. And what no one backstage will always fail to do. Become NXT UK Women's Champion. So, we got two things out of that. It looks like Zaya Brookside is going to be possibly the next challenger to face Kaylee Ray for the NXT UK Women's Championship. And I have honestly no bad words to say about that. I think Zaya Brookside is a good talent. Um, in her young age, I believe she's only 20. Um, last time I checked, she's a little cute thing. Um, very talented. Uh, of course, her father being uh, British wrestling legend uh, Robbie Brookside. Uh, the, the pedigree is definitely there. This should be an interesting feud, especially if, you know, of course, Kaylee Ray being the heel that she is and Brookside being a very, very over babyface. So it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic between these two when they decide to have Brookside and Ray face each other somewhere down the line. When that is, we don't know. Getting into Tony Storm, though, she still hasn't shown up since her law, her devastating loss to Kaylee Ray back at NXT UK TakeOver. It's literally been over two months. Um, literally been 63 days since we saw Tony Storm in an NXT UK ring. I don't know when they're going to pull the trigger and bringing Tony Storm back. And I'm not sure what capacity they're going to bring her back in. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Tony Storm if they decide to bring her back and in what capacity they're going to have her in. Um, what kind of character is Tony going to be? What kind of, you know, mood is she going to be in when she does, when they do decide to have her return to NXT UK? Because last I checked, she still has a rematch in her contract with Kaylee Ray. We don't know the mood. We don't know what kind of development they're going to have with Storm. Um, but if and when she does return to NXT UK, and I hope she really does, um, especially with the fact that Kaylee Ray definitely has been egging her for a long, long time to, um, you know, talking smack and saying she'll, she's not returning. She's no one. She has no friends. She has no one to turn to for moral support. It will get to a point where Tony Storm does come back and she is just pissed at what Kaylee Ray has been saying about her ever since she won a championship back in August. I like how they're doing this kind of slow burn for her. A lot of people are, especially in the UK, are big fans of Tony Storm. I'm a big fan of Tony Storm. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about Tony Storm, but I know Tony Storm's a very big deal in NXT UK. Now, I don't know if they're going to have her move over to NXT US. Um, and that's something I'm really not trying to think about because, yes, we, all, we do know Pete Dunne is now fully in NXT US. He has moved to the States and he, he has been a prominent figure on NXT TV as of late. 
Um, I did hear a little bit of a rumor that Tony Storm was moving over to NXT, uh, but I kind of, you know, shrugged that off just a tad bit, just, just due to the fact that, you know, I know that there's, there's a lot of business to be taken care of before she does make that move. Whether or not that does happen remains to be seen, but I know when Tony Storm does come back to NXT UK, she will have a different kind of attitude um, in NXT UK. She, she will have a big-time attitude towards Kaylee Ray, especially for all that she has said about her over the last couple of months. A beautiful thing. I know there's a lot of y'all, some of y'all out there, you know, not big coffee fans, but sometimes coffee keeps me, you know, from committing felonies within a five mile radius. So, bees what it bees. Anyway, Gallus actually got a little time to speak on some things. Mark Coffee states, Is this recording? Listen to this. Mark Coffee states, We made a statement and got a big score for the firm that. Uh, that being referring to the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Imperium needs to take note that they don't have all the gold, referring to Volter being the NXT UK Champion right now and not the NXT UK Tag Team Champions. This is our kingdom, and y'all, y'all just living it. Next week, my brother Joe Coffey will make his return to the ring and get another big score for the firm. This is still our kingdom. I, y'all know I love me some Gallus. I'm a big fan of Gallus. I was a big fan of Wolfgang before Gallus became a thing. I was a big fan of Joe Coffee. Um, I had known about the Coffee Boys um, before and they came into NXT UK because of ICW. And shout out to ICW because they are doing a thing over there. I believe uh, this weekend is the one of their biggest shows of the year with Fear and Loathing 12. And Fear and Loathing is usually, like, their ICW's version of WrestleMania. Usually they have their biggest moments and biggest matches on that show. And one that always always comes to mind was um, Drew Galloway when he was the ICW champion at the time. And he went one-on-one with Grado. And, the, and I don't, for some reason, I don't know, I just popped into my head, but for some reason, but that match, and I only saw the entrance of it, I, I saw the entrance and I saw the ending of the match, um, and Grado at that moment was over as fuck in ICW, and when it came, I don't really know the storyline behind it, so forgive me if, um, I'm not exactly sure, sure about it, but hey, you know, if you're an ICW fan out there, fill me in on what that was. Fill me in on what, what led to Grado versus Drew Galloway for the ICW World Championship because I, that was one match that always had caught my eye uh, in terms of the history of ICW because that was a, probably one of the biggest matches they have ever had in the history of Fear and Loathing. But the pop he got prior with his entrance um, when, he did, uh, when he came out to Madonna's Like a Prayer... And the crowd was over as fuck with that. And then when he beat Drew Galloway to become the ICW champion, I believe with the help of Mick Foley of all people, to win the ICW championship, that got a huge pop from the crowd. I still, I can still hear it in my head um, with that. And it was a very, very, very big moment. Oh, dear God, that was a bad fumble there. <laughs> like I said, I'm watching the Texas Jaguars game and... Uh, Whoever did the snap on the field goal for Josh Lambeau, they, that was pretty, pretty improper there. Um, who was it? Number nine there? Oh, God. He just got and He got wrecked. Anyway, <laughs> forgive me. I'm watching, like I said, it's Sunday, and it's Sunday football over here in the States. Even though it's over, guys, over in the UK, so I hope you guys are enjoying that over in the UK as well. But 
nonetheless, main event time here on NXT UK Review. This was a big one. Jordan Devlin going up against the bomber, Dave Mastiff. Jordan Devlin, the Irish ace himself, claiming to be the biggest star in NXT UK, but the bomber from the black country, of course, disagrees with him, with Walter waiting in the wings for someone to face him to be his next opponent for the NXT UK Championship. These two pretty much are like the top contenders at this very moment, with Pete Dunne gone and out of the way, and I would say Joe Coffey is also waiting in the wings, uh, possibly to get the next shot at Walter. These two right now are the most worthy contenders to take on Volter for the NXT UK Championship. And this match, when I watched it, was one of those things where this is going to be a very good matchup. Devlin is a very good talent. Dave Mastiff is a very, very good talent. I love both of these guys, and I was very interested to see what they were going to do in this matchup considering the you know the size of Devlin the size of Mastiff going against each other it was going to be very interesting to see what they were going to do in this matchup so let's get into the main event before the bell even started Devlin attacking Dave Mastiff and they start a brawl they start brawling Mastiff making him pay for it Irish whip into the corner Devlin slides out Devlin then grids at Mastiff but Mastiff goes in the chase mode they get back into the ring Devlin stomps on Mastiff but Mastiff gets his foot he then slaps Mastiff but Mastiff just Rins at Devlin. He then flips Devlin. Irish whips him into a backdrop. Devlin begging Mastiff to wait, to stop. Timeout, wait, hold on, fam. We don't need to, you know, it ain't gotta be like this. All that good stuff that heels mostly do. Excuse me. So, Mastiff sees the sucker punch coming from Devlin, slaps Devlin down to the mat, and that slap ran throughout the building. That shit looked like it hurt it. That shit hurt it. <laughs> anyway, so Mastiff raining down elbows on Devlin, stomping Devlin down into the mat. Looked like he was trying to stop everything, coming down into the ground. Mastiff dragging Devlin up, throwing a big European uppercut. And then uh, Devlin ends up in the corner. Mastiff tosses Devlin across the way, three quarters of the way across the ring. That's some strength by the big boy David uh, Dave Mastiff. He then runs in, boot, uh, catches a boot from Devlin. Devlin hops up into the ropes. Mastiff grabs him with both hands. Devlin then hot shots Mastiff's arm onto the rope going after the left arm now of Dave Mastiff. Devlin hurries in to get the arm again for another hot shot. Mastiff shaking out his arm in the process, but Devlin gets on him with a wrench trying to weaken that left arm. He brings Mastiff out onto the mat. Hits a standing moonsault. Goes for the cover, gets a two count out of that. Keeping his cool in the process, staying focused on the task at hand, continuing to work on his arm. Devlin then driving elbows into Mastiff's face, stalking him in the corner. The referee starts counting. Devlin lists the arm in the ropes, pulling at it, and then lets up the stomp down, stomp and yank on the arm, really trying to weaken that arm to take away the strength of Mr. Mastiff himself. Devlin brings Mastiff out, hits a double knee strike. Devlin gets the bad arm, stands on Mastiff's head as he pulls on him, creating some. That was a pretty devastating move there. Devlin then falls back, yanks on the arm once more. Fans rallying behind Mastiff. Devlin standing on Mastiff's face again. This is not a good feeling. It's kind of like how Marley does in the morning when sometimes when I wake up and she just has her paws right on my face region and just doesn't let up. It's happened a couple times and she's, she's got meaty paws and she just smacks it right on my head. I'm just like, ow. 
and then she stands up and they're just like, okay, you can get off me now. Kind of, kind of felt like that a little bit. So he ganks the arm again, fans booing, but Devlin soaking up all the hatred from the crowd. Devlin elbowing Nassif in the face again, wrenches on that arm once more, ringing him out. Devlin dropping a leg on the arm for short arm scissors, and Massive enduring all that fans rallying up behind Massive. Massive starting to come back, throwing big haymakers, big haymakers, but Devlin just wrenches tighter on that arm. Massive keeping his shoulder up so it isn't a cover and the referee will be forced to count. Fighting back with more haymakers, Devlin pulling harder on that arm scissor again, but Massive refusing to quit the process. Massive finally working his way up, gets a cover and gets a two count. Deadlifts him into an electric chair drop. Both men are down and fans rallying, crying out, NXT, NXT. Devlin slowly getting up, gets to the ropes. That was a huge, I mean, the strength of Dev, uh, Mastiff on full display, even though he's got his arm been destroyed for most of the match so far, is very impressive. They start brawling back and forth. Mastiff finally rocking Devlin. Devlin running in, gets caught though. Looked like he was going for a big move. Mastiff holds him there, shifts overhead suplex. By Massive showing off that strength, Devlin writhing in pain. Massive stands back up. He then Irish whips Devlin, running him over with a clothesline and hits the big boy Senton. One, two. Devlin kicks out. Devlin survives that onslaught. Massive not letting up in this process. He tries to slap Feeling back into his arm, trying to get the adrenaline back into it so he can actually do some things. Hauling Devlin up into position, hits a power goes with a power bomb. Devlin somehow slips out, kicks away on that left leg. Has the bad arm though pulls, but Massive is too much to reel in. It looked like he was going for Devil inside early on and trying to take him up, trying to end the match early, but it was. Let me put it to you this way, man. Massive is a big boy. That's a lot of weight. I'd say he's he's close to like 300, 305, maybe 310. He's a big dude. It's it's now mind you, I believe uh Devlin is not even 200 pounds. He's got some strength, and he's no Tyler Bay in terms of strength, but to try to haul up a 300-pound man up into the air to go for Devlin and inside is a very tough task in and of itself, I promise you. Um, that's not to say I've tried to do it before, but um, when you're, like, let me put it this way, at my job, uh, when I used to uh, do overnight, when I was doing overnights, I had to pretty much haul very big um, pieces of uh, appliances, I've hauled uh, you know, pallets on the uh, on a 4x4 pallet, and some of those weight and some of the weight of the appliances were like 200 pounds. It's it's very hard weight. I mean, over time you, you get used to it, you get you start to get gain the strength for it. But still, trying to push a 200 and some odd pound piece of anything onto a 4x4 pallet that's a hard task in and of itself. So I can kind of relate to Devlin of what he was trying to do in that process. So I feel your pain, Mr. Devlin. I do feel your pain. Definitely a hard thing to do. Promise you on that one. So let me see where we are. Don't want to lose anything. So as he tries, so he tries to go for it again, but Mastiff gets caught right, yanks him right into a headbutt. Devlin heads butt back, but the Irish Ace won't be denied. Does Mastiff goes for the reverse Irish whip, sending Devlin to the outside, up and out. Mastiff and Devlin now gasping for air. Mastiff goes out the fetch. Devlin, Mastiff goes for the fireman's carry. Devlin though gets free and on the apron, goes for the PK, but it gets blocked. He picks him up again and hits a rolling senton on the floor. And imagine. 300 pounds from the shoulders down, crashing onto your body. That, trust me when I tell you, it is not the best feeling, especially if you used to play high school football. Trust me, I've been trucked before and I've been hit 
hard and it is not the best of feelings when you get rocked like that anyway so massive crushes devlin his bad arm though still bothering him due to the damage that he had to take from earlier on referee telling him to get back in the ring massive pushing devlin in at that point he was somewhat dead weight matt devlin though bails out to the apron with a smart maneuver there massive is though on him he then hot shots the arm again and goes up slingshot cutter on devlin he goes up to the top hits a moonsault hits it directly one two but massive kicks out showing the intestinal fortitude of one dave mastiff devlin is pissed beyond belief if you saw the look on his face he was beyond angry devlin though looks like he needs to get a second one to get the job done dragging massive back into the drop zone goes back up moonsaults right onto the boots though devlin flopping all the way into the other corner he is now laid out bottom of the turnbuckle massive sees the opportunity once hits the big cannonball that he calls into the void devlin slump halfway already out of the ring and on to the floor massive cannot believe it he knew that he had him beat if devlin didn't slump to the outside he goes out to fetch devlin again frustrated as he is he drags devlin up and in devlin though staying on the apron on the outside he meets devlin at the corner Hops up, picking Devlin up into a fireman's carry. Looked like he was going for the rolling senton once more. Devlin, though, fighting out of the hold. Hits a Pele kick on Mastiff. Using the, using the top rope for leverage. Hits a super Devlin inside. One, two, three. Jordan Devlin. The ace defeats the bomber. And this... This, ladies and gentlemen, I believe is the kind of victory that will get him into title contention and possibly make him the number one contender for the NXT United Kingdom Championship. This is a big victory for Norton Devlin. And I started to kind of notice it as of late that Devlin was going to be that guy um, that was going to probably get the next shot. I didn't know if they were really going to give it to him. Um, I don't know if he, NXT UK thought he was just ready, but this kind of victory, especially, I think he had a few without Tyler Bate, and I'm for certain he beat Bate in the process, um, along with the other victories he's had over the summer going into November. This, ladies and gentlemen, is your new number one contender for the NXT UK Championship. Now, I've stated this in weeks, uh, back a couple months ago with um, OTT, Over the Top Wrestling. Walter and Devlin actually had a match for the uh, Over the Top Championship um, earlier this year, which Devlin defeated Walter for. Now, from what I know, David, David Starr is now the current reigning independent OTT champion. They did have a match, I believe, last weekend. And David Starr is finally won the championship. And what I heard was a really good match. Um, I'm going to try my best to try to seek that out. Like I said, it's, uh, it, it's a lot of wrestling. Is taken so unfortunately it's a, it's a lot to try to keep my uh, eyes on with that but man this was a great main event with two guys i'm really in love with um both guys are top contenders building their names up in nxt uk and for devlin to get the victory definitely officially makes his case for him to be the number one contender for the nxt uk championship i think i think honestly i think Devlin and Walter can definitely make the crowd go bananas whenever they decide to do it. If, if they're going to go Walter versus Jordan Devlin, this is the right call. And Devlin beating Mastiff 
is also the right call. Massive in a, in a loss looked very strong here. They both put on a great effort to, you know, get the victory. It was it was well done, fantastic. I was very impressed by this matchup. Very great match. But before the show ended, NXT UK Media spotted Alexander Wolf and Ilya Dragunov in the back, and it looked like the German Axeman and the Moscow Madman seemed to be arguing about something. But when he was asked by, uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember the name of the correspondent, but I believe she's in NXT UK, uh, NXT US, I should say. Wolf said it's nothing. This is private business. Camera still stayed on Alexander Wolf and Ilya Dragunov. Telling, and he's telling Dragunov, you need to make up your mind. Imagine the good Imperium could do for your career. Or what Imperium could do to make things harder for you. Before Dragunov can give him an answer, Wolf leaves. Dragunov looking, looking very torn in this process. And this has kind of been a thing for a little while. I remember, you know, Wolf, you know, trying to convince Dragunov to join the ranks of Imperium, make it a five-member uh, group. And even then, Dragunov was torn from the beginning into, you know, what, what he should do, what his you know, choice should be. This is a very, very good episode of NXT UK, and I'm glad I got back into the swing of things with NXT UK, and I'm glad I'm able to talk about it with you guys, because I've, I've seen um, the the numbers for NXT UK, especially with my last NXT UK episode. That's one of my highest ra- uh, rated plays to this date in the last couple of months, and for that, I appreciate y'all, because that was um, the Piper Niven um, Jazzy Gabbard match, and that I think that came across very well. That was a very fun episode to talk about. All in all, uh, this is a very good building episode. Getting into the highlights of the matches real quick. Um, the women's tag match was good. Um, this was a great way to end the feud um, with Rhea and Piper and Jazzy and Ginny, given the fact that Rhea is more than likely going to be moved over to NXT US. Um, my thoughts on NXT UK talent now moving over to the NXT ranks. Um, Rhea Ripley and Pete Dunne, in general, have done more than enough in NXT to now finally make the move. I Like I stated, Pete Dunne is in the US full-time. He is full on NXT, and I know he will make NXT better than it already is. Rhea Ripley, I think, has injected a huge jolt of energy into the women's division and definitely has inserted herself as a top-tier talent for that division. I've already talked about that um, in my last NXT UK episode a couple weeks ago. So ending this feud now makes sense, especially now that she's going to um, NXT NXT US to to start gunning for Shayna Baszler and the NXT Women's Championship. With Piper, Ginny, and Jazzy, that's going to probably be a little bit of feud over and forward. And, and especially since the fact that they talked about um, they're going to have a sit-down interview with Piper Niven um, next week. So this sounds like they're going to be pushing Piper a bit more. Kaylee recalling out Zaya Brookside. Looks like, you know, that might be the little bit of a feud going forward. And given the fact that Tony Storm still hasn't come back yet, um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with her. Now, if it gets to Zaya and Kay, uh, Kaylee Ray, it may be a non-title match. Um, I think Kaylee Ray will get the win here, just given the fact that she is the champion. They're definitely going to be uh, just giving Kaylee Ray something to do before Tony Storm makes her return to uh, NXT UK. 
Um, A-Kid's debut was really solid. This was a very solid debut by A-Kid, even by Countout. It really looks like we're going to get Ono versus Bait, um, given the fact that he made the save. With that, you know, he is doing things in NXT uh, US, um, so maybe Bates just keeping uh, training A-Kid in kayfabe. Um, we'll see what happens with that going forward. Um, the Connor Johnson match was, you know, just the match, you know, really wasn't anything to do in the grand scheme of things. Um, nothing really great for, uh, Connor. It's just a match to have a match just for me. The main event though was fucking fantastic. This was one of those things that, you know, just definitely hit on all cylinders. Both men put in a great effort to tell a great story, um, for this So I really did enjoy that. Um, the Gallus promo really looked like, you know, they're going to be going after Imperium. And that's that should be a good feud in and of itself because I've been waiting for Imperium to start getting into title contention and tag, to the turn, uh, tag team division. Joe Coffey coming back is going to be really fun. Um, the most intriguing about this is Dragunov. Ilya Dragunov. Now, y'all know... I had stated that Dragunov and Volter would be the next title match. I was wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong because we got uh, Volter versus Bate in that match of the year candidate. And that's gonna, that's a very intriguing situation with Dragunov. Will he join Imperium or will he tell them to go fuck off and still be a on his own kind of guy? And then, you know, you could have... And, and just like uh, Mitchell said here, quote, and given how he's trying to get Dra- Ilya Dragunov on their side, I wonder if it backfires and Dragunov ends up an unlikely ally to Gallus so that there's a 4v4 against Imperium at least in an eight-man tag before things split off of the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Then you can have... Um, you have your NXT UK uh, Championship and between, you know, possibly Devlin and Volter, and then you have Dragunov versus Wolf as a kind of little side feud with uh, each other. And I think Dragunov versus Wolf um, would be a solid match um, to watch. I think both of these guys can go. And Dragunov kind of needs the victory. He's been losing a few matches as of late. So we'll see what happens going forward now. Uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is your NXT UK review. What we're going to do here, of course, uh, take a bit of a break. We're going to listen to our sponsor. And then we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you prepared for episode 126 of the Young Lions Perspective. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For episode 125 of the Young Nines Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can have a little bit of opinion about NXT UK. We can talk about our NXT UK. Anything I spoke about in the opening segment of the episode, do not hesitate. Hit me up with a voice message on anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. Send me a voice message, y'all. And if I like what I'm hearing from y'all, what opinions you got, I may just feature it on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective. Otherwise, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, 
all that good stuff and let the people know, especially in the no- month of November, because we had full gear, TakeOver War Games, and unfortunately Survivor Series at the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, if you don't happen to have the Anchor app, and that's okay, I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't, but I'd appreciate it if you did. You can still check out this episode of the podcast, of course, this one and all the other 124 episodes of the YLP podcast, including five episodes of the Secret Files podcast and six episodes of the Outside the Ropes podcast. You can find those across several different platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Castbox FM, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. Now, if y'all want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, including breaking news, when I'm going to be live tweeting, 60 second thoughts on any of the videos I make on Instagram, don't hesitate to follow me on my social media on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI. That's S U E D E S E N A T O R capital W capital W capital I. I do live tweeting for AEW, SmackDown Live, every WWE live pay-per-view, every AEW live pay-per-view. And if I've got nothing else better to do at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I just happen to be awake, and I got nothing else better to do, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. It's rare, but it does happen. So, you can also find me on Instagram, the mothership, the hub of everything that is YLP. Follow me there at young underscore alliance underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast. So tomorrow, y'all know what time it is. It's, of course, of course, going to be Monday starting off the work week. And what better way to kick off the work week than by talking about the news of the weekend? I know we had a lot going on with the whole Saudi Arabia thing, but there's plenty of other news that's going to be going down. And we'll discuss all of that. Come Monday afternoon, before we get you into, unfortunately, if you're going to be watching Monday Night Raw, I feel sorry for your sanity, and I will pray for you. Uh, Also, we've got that taken care of before Monday Night Football with the matchup between the Cowboys and the New York Giants, and I'll be giving you my prediction on that game as well. So for all you Cowboys and Giants fans out there that are just waiting for my prediction on the matchup, I'll be giving that to y'all tomorrow. So until tomorrow afternoon. For episode 126, enjoy the day. Enjoy the remainder of the Texans-Jaguars game at this very moment. It is 19-3. Texans kicking the ass of the Jaguars in the fourth quarter with 11-14 left on the clock. And I'll see you guys tomorrow for episode 126 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you!